We know where the Orlando Magic are going to pick. Now we start to figure out who the Orlando Magic are going to pick. Today we focus on the number six pick, five players. You need to know with the Orlando Magic's sixth overall pick. Let's get to it. It's time for Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Indeed, Locked On Magic. Today is May 19th, 2023. My name is Philip Rossman. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to chat about five players the Magic should be targeting or five players that you need to know when it comes to the Orlando Magic's number six pick in the upcoming NBA draft. We'll get to all that coming up here in just a moment. First, we want to thank you again for making Locked On Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Locked On Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Locked On podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA, and when you enter promo code LockedOnNBA, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Check it out today at birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA. Do Orlando Magic have the sixth pick in the draft? And, and obviously that is beyond the guys that are considered the top of this draft. It is a place where the Magic can still get a really good player and a player that's going to contribute to this team. And Obviously, there's already some internal debate going on among Magic fans about who the Magic should take. Uh, you know, certainly everyone has their guy at this point, and, and there's still time to do some tape review. There's still time to make decisions. I, I want to say this first and foremost. Um, there are a lot of really good decisions out there. Um, there are good players to be had at six. And whether the Magic make a play for one of these guys, for another guy, for whoever, there are pros and cons. And so... I make this promise to you every year at the draft. I sometimes break this promise, but I want to make this promise again here here today. I want to focus on what players can do and what they can contribute. I think oftentimes when we do these draft analyses, we get caught up too much in what players can't do and, and their downsides. And that makes us lose sight of what players can do. Now, I'm not saying ignore a player's weakness, but... We want to highlight what players can do and think, because you're not drafting a player based on what he can't do. You're drafting a player based on what he can do. And so ultimately, you got to weigh those pros and cons, and you want to focus a lot on what you think a player can do and ultimately what that player's strengths are and then determine whether that will translate into the NBA. That's kind of the frame of mind and frame of reference that I want to attack the draft. That's what I strive to attack the draft. I don't always hold myself to it. You know, there's the sickler of, you know, overthinking things, sitting with these prospects for so long. We're going to, you know, we've talked about these players we're going to talk about today already to some extent. We're going to talk about these players more as we go on. We'll do more detailed dives. We'll maybe try and get in, get in a few guests and, and talk a little about them there too. But um, but it's, it, 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 you want to focus on what guys can do. I, I am I am a big believer in that. 
believe, focus on what they are capable of and then move on from there and then make the analysis from there. So let's dive into what, what I want to do with today's episode and then what we'll do with Monday's episode as well is just kind of highlight the five prospects to know entering the draft. Five prospects to know for the number six pick. We're going to start there. And obviously there's some overlap. It's a little bit of a Venn diagram. The The way this draft shakes out, you got your top three. You got maybe four four and five or the, the Thompson twins are pretty set. And then six through maybe nine, 10, 11, that, where the Magic are picking, um, are very, very similar. And then again, that next group all the way down to like 14, 15 is very similar. When you're drafting later, you have to cast a wider net. You have to look at more players. And believe me, we are going to look at more players than the five I'm going to give you today for six, for 11. But we want to. I, I just want to start doing a little bit more of a deeper dive, doing a little bit more of an introduction with these players. So let's start with the obvious one. At number six, some people say you should be looking for a star still. Uh, you know, with where the Magic are at, maybe they still need to take a big swing. And at the end of the day, I do think when it comes to the draft, you need to take the best player available. You need to take the best guy on the board. Fit matters. It's part of the equation. It's part of what makes a player best available. But talent matters in the draft. Talent. The draft, Jeff Waltman says this all the time, that you have to take what the draft gives you. You might need a backup center, but there are no backup centers in this draft. And certainly you don't want to draft a player limiting him to a specific role. You want to believe that he will be more. You are drafting for upside, even if you need something immediate. And that's why we do have to consider both Amen and Asar Thompson. I'm going to highlight Asar Thompson because Amen Thompson is widely predicted to go forth in this, this, this draft. But of all the guys we're going to talk about on today's list, Asar Thompson has the most star potential. He is also the riskiest of the play of the players because we just don't know how valuable his tape is. An overtime elite, he and his brother played on the same team. They won the championship. Asar Thompson averaged 16.3 points per game, 7.1 rebounds per game, and 6.1 assists per game. That certainly suggests a well-rounded player who can contribute in multiple areas. Amen Thompson was the point guard. He's a little bit more of a better playmaker, a better athlete at, at times too. But Asar Thompson can hold his own. He can also handle the ball. He can also make passes. He can also rebound with strength. He's got all the physical tools and the athleticism to be a really good player. In the playoffs, he averaged 21 points per game, 5.2 rebounds, and 4.8 assists per game. So up to scoring, I believe he was the finals MVP in overtime elite as they won the championship. To say the least, if Asar Thompson is there at six, it's going to be hard to say no to talent like that. To you know, Regardless of the level of competition, and, and look, the level of competition they were playing at was maybe a step above high school, if that. Overtime Elite is just, no one knows what to make of it. Um, but it's telling that there aren't a lot of NBA prospects there. It's not like going to college and you're playing against the Big East or the Big Ten or the SEC. Um, you know, there are NBA players dotting those rosters. That's not happening at Overtime Elite. In fact, Overtime Elite had to force Asar and Amin Thompson's team to make trades 
to try and balance out the rosters. So take all this, you know, this context matters. I'm, again, I promise I'm not going to focus on what guys can't do, but this context matters. And this matters too. Asar Thompson's shooting splits at, at overtime elite this season, 48.1% overall from the field, 29.8% from beyond the arc, 66.2% from the foul line. However, in the playoffs, 44.7% from the field overall, 38.5% from beyond the arc, 82.4% from the foul line. What do you make of all that? How do you decipher those numbers? How do you dig into them? It's really tough. Um, you have to watch some tape. And the athleticism is really blinding. The guy can get to the basket. The guy can finish. He's got all the defensive tools. His jumper is a little bit more solid than his brother, but some people would say his brother's more solid, solid, solid than that. Asar is going to have to become a better jump shooter, and especially if he were to enter the Magic's ecosystem where they desperately need shooting, fitting him with Franz and, pa- and Paolo is definitely a concern. But the talent is also undeniable. The Magic probably do need one more dynamic score. Now, that could be Markel Fultz still. That could be Jalen Suggs still. That could be Wendell Carter to some extent, I, although I, I, I would probably put Wendell Carter in a different bucket. They need another perimeter score. They need another perimeter attacker. Um, but they need shooting too. And they need everyone to get better at shooting. And so for the Magic, the question is more is less about talent and more about fit with Asar. But the talent is undeniably there. I have Asar rated above Amen because I do think Asar's jumper is a little bit more solid. I love that he stepped up the way that he did in the playoffs. He was named the finals MVP, if I'm not mistaken. That stuff matters. Like, you're on a winning team. No matter what the competition is, you're on a winning team and you stepped your game up to ensure that your team won. That should matter. We're going to get to some some of that in in our next segment here. But Asar Thompson is a great mystery, but a big home run swing. Someone that could land another star player with this Magic team and another star player who can help this team continue to elevate itself. If we're just ranking players based solely on ta- on talent, Asar Thompson is number five, and it's not close. He could be number four, but he is a top five talent in this draft, and that is something you cannot ignore. We're going to dive into two players that I think are the two favorites to land at number six, one who has a lot of questions and one who doesn't have a lot of questions, and that's actually part of the problem. We'll get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, a quick word from our friends over at Bird Dogs. You've probably seen some of their ads. You've probably seen some of the, some of their ideas. Bird Dogs offers a truly unique uh, item of clothing. It's 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 light. It's it's pants with liners, with underwear liners in them. So you don't need to wear underwear with them. Uh, which, especially here in Florida during the summer, sounds especially nice. But look. That's kind of their gimmick. That's kind of the, kind of their, their their unique selling point. You can get the pants without the liners. And let me tell you, I have a few Bird Dogs pants. I have a few Bird Dogs shorts. The fit, comfort, and versatility of these shorts are everything. I was so happy that I got a got that I went to Bird Dogs that I got a couple pairs of pants that I got some shorts from them because I love wearing them. They're like the best draft pick you can find. They have great fit. They have great fit. They have great comfort and great versatility. Everything you could ask for. They got the right length too. I guess it's pant span. I don't know. Um, they got the they got the right fit for everything. 
I love wearing my bird dog pants. I'm glad that they actually sent me a couple more free samples, but I actually bought bought, bought into them uh, before before they they joined the show. It's a great it's a great product, and again, just really really comfortable, perfect for the Florida heat. We're starting to get to the hot season here in Florida. It is absolutely perfect to wear, and I definitely suggest that you give it a try. Go to birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA today and enter promo code LockedOnNBA and they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. You can check out all the great selection they have. Again, with liner, without liner, pants, shorts, even some t-shirts if I'm not mistaken. They have a bunch of different options, a bunch of different styles. Definitely check it out today and use that code LockedOnNBA at birddogs.com slash LockedOnNBA to get that free tumbler with every order. All right, let's let's get back into uh, five prospects to know uh, for the Magic at the number six pick, and we're on to prospect number two. If drafting sixth, you're supposed to take a little bit of a swing, take a player with a little bit of upside. Um, a that starts to run out a little bit in this draft, at least with what you're comfortable with, with the downsides that you're comfortable with. Um, but if, if there's one other player in this draft that I would look at as a potential star and, and someone worth looking into at that level, it's Villanova's Cam Whitmore. And we're going to do a bit of a deeper dive onto Cam Whitmore very, very soon. I'm going to start doing some draft, some, some individual draft player profiles here once we get through this part of, of things, um, kind of get the ball rolling on those. But Cam Whitmore is a player that does have the ability to elevate himself. Um, his stats don't tell you how good he is, in my opinion. And I'm kind of out on him, and I'll explain why in a bit. But I'm slowly warming up to the idea of Cam Whitmore. Um, for the season, he averaged 12.5 points per game, 5.3 rebounds per game, shot 47.8% overall, just 9.8 field goal attempts per game, 34.3% field goal percentage, 70.3% from the foul. And we'll return to those numbers here in a minute. Whitmore dealt with a thumb injury early in the season, did not really play till December, only played 23 games, if I'm not mistaken, so missed, missed a little bit of time, and, and, and obviously was playing a little bit of catch-up. But when you watch him, you see a, a really physical player, and, and that gets you excited. Not only that, you see someone who is a, really an athlete. At the NBA Draft Combine, we talked a little bit about him yesterday, uh, he, averaged, he measured in at six foot five point seven five inches and 235 pounds. This is a big, big dude. But he knows how to use that weight. And despite the weight, he is still extremely athletic. He posted the fourth best mark in the max vertical leap. Really, really, really good athlete, especially jumping off of two feet. You look at his body and look, look, the, look at the way he's impo- composed. I would call him a more offensive-minded Lugens Dort. And, and, you know, again, maybe that maybe you're thinking number six pick. I don't know if I want to take a Lugens Dort. Um, a Lugens Dort is a starter on a postseason team in the Oklahoma City Thunder. Really important piece. Also has really improved his three-point shot. Got to give him credit there. But this is a guy that's going to get after you defensively, use his weight, be able to switch on to bigger players because he can take the pounding a little bit, has the athleticism to keep up with guys, uh, and has the scoring mentality to, to be an attacker, to get to the basket. You can never have too many attacking forwards. You can never have too many forwards who can put the ball on the floor. That's just the way the NBA is now, and the Magic have certainly collected their fair share of them. Whitmore is someone that can play multiple positions, defend multiple positions, and attack the basket. 
But therein lies the contradiction. He has all these positives and all these good markers, but then there's the big thing sticking out like a Thor thumb. Sore thumb. There it is. Um, 34.3% field goal percentage from deep, 70.3% from the foul line. I will say this and repeat this note every single time that I can. The college line is closer than the NBA line. And so a lot of scouts and a lot of draft people believe that free throw attempt free throw attempts are better, a free throw percentage is a better indicator of future three-point success than three-point percentage. If a guy is shooting 75, 75 to 80% from three, but is a low 70s three-point free throw shooter, that's usually a red flag that that guy is not actually as good of a shooter as you think. That that guy's form isn't gonna isn't gonna translate out to the to the NBA three-point line. And so Knowing how important shooting is for this Magic team and thinking about how players fit, because if the Magic are truly thinking it's time to start winning, it's time to start putting together a roster that's going to compete at the highest levels, then then uh, then you got to be thinking. You know, you can't just be drafting purely on potential and purely on talent. You got to be thinking about how does a guy fit. And yeah, Cam Whitmore and Asar Thompson, who we just talked about have that problem where it's like, okay, you can see a Star Thompson fitting. He can play the two. He can slide into that spot. But you're going to play him alongside Paolo and Markel, who are non-shooters. You're going to play him alongside Jalen Suggs, who is a non-shooter with with the second unit, and with Cole Anthony, who is an improved shooter, but still someone that teams are happy to let shoot threes. This is part of the problem. Um, you know, again, this is this is why I'm a little bit lower on Cam Whitmore. On top of this, yes, I know he had the thumb injury and, and there's a couple other things at play, but Villanova did not make the NCAA tournament. Uh, they were 15-11 and 11 with Whitmore in the lineup, so I don't want to completely take things away from him. They perhaps missed the tournament because of things that happened before Whitmore returned from his injury, but that's a big problem. And, and yes, Whitmore sat out the NIT game. It's perfectly understandable with the injuries that he had, with the season that he had, with the future that he was protecting. Completely understandable. So there's a, there, there are some, some, some red flags that I'm concerned with with Whitmore. But look, he does check a lot of boxes for this Magic team. He does seem like he would be a good fit um, in, in some ways. Uh, and, and look, you watch the tape, he can hit threes. He can hit jumpers off the dribble. He can hit sidestep threes. He can play... Uh, a little bit, and and I don't think you should. I don't think the Magic should be completely scared off of him. I, I'm a little bit out on him, but uh, again, I can be convinced. I've seen enough where I'm like, okay, if they take him, I, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, that was a bad pick. I'm not going to do that. But um, there are some concerns that I have. So, if shooting is so important for this Magic team, then why not just take the best shooter? Why not just get the best shooter on the board? Um, in my mock draft 1.0 before the lottery. I got to number six. I wrote a big long thing on Jairus Walker. Wrote another, then changed my mind. Went to Taylor Hendricks. Um, we'll talk to, talk about them in the next segment. And then I was just like, you know, what was the mistake you made in last year's draft? You overthought the problem. You said, oh, we could turn Jabari Smith into a primary scorer. But well, Paolo Bancaro is already a primary scorer. He's got all those skills. And you know, I sat here and said, if you don't think Paolo Bancaro is a twenty point per game scorer, then don't take him. But at the end of the day. That was the wrong question to ask. So I apologize for my coverage on that. That was the wrong question to ask. First time covering a team with the number one pick. I apologize. Um, sometimes the simple answer is the best answer. The Magic needs shooting. Take the best shooter in the draft. And 
Grady Dick from Kansas is widely considered the best shooter in this draft by a pretty sizable margin. He averaged 14.1 points per game on shooting splits of 44.2, 40.3, 85.4. So that 40.3% shooting from beyond the arc, 85.4% from the foul line checks the box that yes, the shooting is going to translate. Um, certainly that's going to get their their team the team's attention. Dick is capable of hitting sidestep threes. Uh, he's a guy that defenses worked hard to close out on and keep from getting open. He hits deep threes. He hits threes on the move. He can hit spot-up threes, although he didn't get a lot of those opportunities because, again, can, because again, teams were focused on stopping him. He's got better, you know, I don't want to go into this trope, but I think his athleticism is better than he shows. I think his defense is better than, than, than people would think, although he's not going to kill you on the— he's not going to, like, completely blow you away in, in either front. If you draft Grady Dick, you are drafting a shooter. That's what you're getting from him. That's what you're paying for. That's what you're going to get. And frankly, that's all you need sometimes. You just need guys that can put the ball in the basket, that can make an open three. And, it, you know, the Magic have enough defenders where they could probably hide him a little bit on defense if he ends up being elevated to a starting role or playing meaningful minutes. But he is the best shooter in this draft. Widely considered the best shooter in this draft. And if that's the case, this is the guy you take. Uh, or this is, you have to consider him at the spot. Even if it's an overdraft, even if it's a reach, this is what the Magic need more than anything else. They need shooters. They need shooting, and this takes care of that. Uh, it takes care of that a lot. Obviously, he's on a Kansas program that won a lot, and so this is a this is a a player that you have to consider and you have to look at um, as you're thinking of building your team. When we come back, we'll talk about the two forwards. I think the forward spot is a place the Magic do need to look, is a need that they need to fill. We'll talk about the two forwards that the Magic could look at with the number six pick coming up here in just a moment. So, we talk about the shooting need. That's a big need. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that the Magic can ignore shooting, that the Magic should, uh, you know, be afraid of shooting. They need shooting. Um, you know, everyone we talk about, shooting and three-point shooting especially, are huge factors in what we're thinking about and, and how we believe this team needs to develop. But there are plenty of other needs on the roster. Backup center is a big one. You're not going to fill that in this draft. Like I don't think taking Derek Lively at 11 is the right choice. I think the Magic need a veteran big man in that spot. Um, you know, again, whether that ha- happens in a trade or free agency, they that that's that's a big priority for me. That was a big priority for me after Mobamba Mobamba was traded as well. Um, uh, they also needed some forward depth. I think I think they need to cover themselves in case Jonathan Isaac gets hurt. And Jonathan Isaac can obviously flip between the three and the four pretty easily. Having another versatile forward, I think, would go a long way. And so I think, honestly, if, if the Magic aren't going to take Asar Thompson, if the Magic aren't going to take Grady Dick, um, I think you're deciding between Cam Whitmore and hometown guy, I guess, UCF forward Taylor Hendricks. Hendricks is a really, really interesting player. Average 15.1 points per game, 7 rebounds per game, 47.8% from the floor, 39.4% from deep, 78.2% from foul line. So I don't think he's quite... The three and the the three point shooter 
um, that everyone, there's a lot of people that I talk to that are like, oh, Hendricks is going to be great three-point shooter in the NBA. And I, I think he can get there, but it's not going to be something immediate. But what Hendricks is really good at is he is a really good interior defender. He is a great rim protector. Averaged 1.7 blocks per game, only two fouls per game. Um, so seven rebounds per game, worked really well around the basket, loves hanging out in that dunker spot, uh, and loves hanging out in that dunker spot and catching lobs or getting dump offs and, and dump downs, can step out a little bit, obviously, in, onto the perimeter and make that short jumper. There are a lot of boxes that he checks. If, if Wendell Carter can play on the perimeter or Mo Wagner can even play on the perimeter, you can play Taylor Hendricks next to them. He can give you some extra rim protection. He can give you some extra paint protection. And he's going to be able to contribute offensively. A lot of the concern that I've seen with Taylor Hendricks is that he's a little bit of a low ceiling guy. Not that he is what he is, but offensively, he's not going to create. He's a line drive driver, not really going to change direction much. Um, if the three-point shot doesn't translate, then he becomes kind of like a Trey Lyles type or you know, maybe, if you hope, a Kyle Anderson type, type player um, in this league where he's just really long, really athletic really good defender, really good shot blocker, but never really finds his place within an offensive ecosystem. Um, again, Hendricks does a lot of these things well. And if the Magic draft Taylor Hendricks, that's a really good draft pick in my opinion. That's a guy that's going to contribute to this team and make them better. And, and again, that's at the end of the day, that's what we're talking about most. That's what matters most is can, the, can these guys make this team better? Can they help this team win in the near future, in the very near future, in the next season we're making the playoffs future. Uh, and so you're looking for guys, again, the reason why, I, like, again, if Asar Thompson's there, if, you know, if you think Cam Whitmore can be a star, you don't turn down star players. Like, Asar is the bigger risk of the two. I think Cam Whitmore has a role if he's not a star. I wonder if Asar Thompson does have a role if he's a star. Uh, but you want to find guys that can play roles. And, and Taylor Hendricks can definitely play a role. You can see him fitting in immediately with this Magic team. And so I do like Taylor Hendricks a lot. I think that he is a very viable and likely option for the Magic at number six. The other side of that coin and kind of the other side of the big man equation for the Magic is Houston for Jairus Walker. Uh, Jairus Walker, not going to have the most impressive stat line. 11.2 points per game, 6.8 rebounds per game, shooting splits of 46.5, 34.7, 66.3. Average 1.3 blocks per game. Um, he is a really smart player. Uh, he's really big. He really showed out at the combine. Had some impressive athleticism numbers, uh, which I think caught people by surprise. Came in a little bit shorter, but has the wingspan to make up for it. He can guard multiple positions. Uh, he's really, really, really smart. Um, he just knows how to play the game. and knows how to play the game in a winning way. Houston was fantastic. You know, I think Marcus Sasser is going to be a player that climbs a little bit later on in the draft, despite some some poor combine numbers. Um, that kid, that kid can play a little bit. I think he'll be, a, I think he could be a second round pick. Um, but that Houston team was really, really good. And Walker was a guy that kind of held that team together and made everything work on that team. Um, I've seen people kind of comparing him to Draymond Green with his impact. And, and, and I think that's definitely there. Undersized big, who plays bigger than he is, plays smart, makes everyone around him better. And, and that stuff is important. You just don't know what you're going to get from him offensively. Um, at this point, it's hard to say what his offensive capabilities are, uh, aside from just dunking and, and being around the basket. And that's not going to work for him in the NBA. 
he's got to develop a jumper. And right now, he has no jumper. That 66% free throw percentage, just that's just not going to get the job done. That's just not going to be enough. And for me, again, I'm not out on him. I see where he could fit with this team. I see what he could do for this team. I have him as the last of these options. Um, I know that I think ESPN has him going fifth, um, which certainly makes an interesting decision for the Magic. Um, you know, I've seen a lot of people have him fifth, but I, I have a hard time believing the Magic would take him because, again, they got to find someone that fits their needs. They got to find someone that helps them be something that they weren't last year, to, to make them better, to, to push this team forward. And I just, I just don't know if Walker has that, um, you know, for, as, as the only way I can say it. Those are my top five guys for the number six pick. On Monday's episode, we're going to talk about the number 11 pick and who the Magic could be targeting and who the Magic could be looking at with the 11th pick. So definitely check that out. If you're one of my everyday everyday listeners, I really appreciate that. So definitely check out. Um, I'll have the list up on OrlandoMagicDaily.com probably over the weekend. I'm going to try and get that out Friday um, Friday to you, but if not, it'll be out Saturday. Um, so you can begin some prep work on, on what I'm going to talk about on Monday's episode. But I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. Subscribe to the podcast and Apple Podcasts. Hit your tune in. Him will do a place Spotify, Odyssey, and all of them will on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. For latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. Of course, follow us there on Twitter at omagicdaily. I want to thank you again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Have a great weekend, everybody. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Wright. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.